Welcome to episode 13 of the Tales and Tunes podcast. This week's guest is Denver local Brian Christian. And before we get into his past of growing up in the Midwest Chicago scene, as well as an in-depth review of our gathering in the mountains together at 9,000 feet, let's kick things off proper with B-Tsunami's number one track pick of the week. This week's pick is entitled Pixelated Pictures by Canes, and the release can be found on Shinnok Music. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Tales and Tunes, guys. My guest this week I've been looking forward to, ha- to having on for quite a while now. He's been DJing for over 15 years, and he is a member of the Denver-based Hemisphere Groove Collective, and is also a major part of helping us throw our three-day gathering a few weeks ago together at 9,000 feet. Uh, nothing but good things to say about this guy and a true ally to have here in, in the Denver scene. So uh, without further ado, let's welcome Brian Christian to the podcast. Brian, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been talking to you here, and uh, I know you've been pretty friggin' busy lately, uh, but how's your summer been so far? It's been great. I think busy is definitely the right word to use. Like there's there's always something going on, always somewhere to play, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets tiring sometimes, but I don't I don't think I would be able to live any other way other than that. So, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you got any highlights from summer so far? <clears throat> Whether it be a show or anything you've done, or um, well, definitely together. Together was was amazing. Um, we had a couple of friends that went, went with us and we had a great, uh, a great time there. It was cool. Cause you were able to, like, we, we spent a lot of time at our tent, but then we could also dip over to the stages and then you could head to the back of the camping area. And we went on this like amazing excursion in these like boulder areas and climbed down the boulders into the like trees that were down there. So that was an amazing weekend. Um, I mean, there's been quite a few events actually I had a really a really good time also playing at uh at milk a couple of weeks ago um it was a small group there but it was a very uh kind of a, a spiritual journey that i was going on with the tracks that i played that night and i, I and it was cool to, to see that the people were actually feeling the the message that i was trying to put out to them uh and, and kind of giving me the, the the feedback with how they were dancing and, and and stuff that they were they were feeling the message and the with the way that it was intended to be given so that's cool. How long did you play for? Um, played for an hour and a half. Oh, wicked. Yeah, right before Brian Brian S. Cool. closed out the night. Oh, awesome. Hell yeah. Man, yeah, summer's been pretty interesting on our end of the stick, too. Um, I, I said on the last week's podcast that uh, I fractured my ankle, and uh, that was nearly a month ago now. Um, and I, I still got had to get a CAT scan and everything, but it's kind of gone the best it could. I'm gonna have to be in the boot for at least another month uh on crutches for two weeks and then we they still want me to start weaning off of them and then uh start uh physical therapy and eventually back to work <laughs> but uh yeah that's kind of impeded impeded a lot of things that we wanted to do like or with together I, we threw that entire party and i was on my crutches <laughs> so that that was pretty difficult and then uh, the following weekend, we played another uh, small little side trance gathering not far from where Together happened. So it was up in the mountains again the following weekend on crutches, playing another gig. And then, I mean, the I know last weekend there was another camping gig as well as, I know, a couple warehouse shows and stuff. And it's just, I can't go anywhere with this. Like, not yeah. being able to dance. And it's just like, the more pressure you put on it, it's just like... Yeah, even if I wanted to keep up with what's going on in Denver, like, I couldn't, like, <laughs> I can't. I have to freaking stay tied down, which which isn't a bad thing, so. Or for all of uh, Paul's, Paul's kickouts, the, 
the weed jack events you gotta make it up all those stairs just to oh, get to the yeah. booth every single time to the second stage yeah <laughs> which those are also definitely one of the highlights of this summer the the series of those three going on yeah we, we had a lot of fun though. pulls to... a lot of the local family together mm-hmm. in a very chill outdoors indoors yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he brings a bunch of Chicago talent which is really cool for me because I get a piece of Chicago and Denver and he's bringing house back to Denver which is awesome yeah absolutely yeah yeah and like we're saying man it's just like it's it's just so especially living in denver man it's it's so busy i mean outside of like just living near the mountains when there's so much shit to do like i mean the amount of music that is going on or events and stuff going on like we were talking about this weekend for instance my uh yeah my boot we me and my girlfriend originally were supposed to go play a, a festival in wisconsin this weekend sacred earth but because of my my leg on top of we actually just are we're moving into a house this weekend too which we got locked down and it was kind of that date or never so we had to cancel on that three-day event and this weekend i know there's what there's three mountain parties that i know of going on uh there's a rooftop party at vinyl on saturday with like matthew dk and a bunch of other good house music there's a big Desert Hearts feature warehouse party this weekend. That one's huge too. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the and what we're gonna end up doing? We can, I mean, can't do any of these things, but uh, I think we're gonna end up uh, for a little celebration of moving into our house. Let's go to Beta just to check out Sander Kleinenberg for a little bit. It'll be the easiest one and <laughs> free and whatnot. So, <laughs> what are you gonna are you gonna do anything this weekend? Um, I'm thinking about well. Tomorrow I'm going to go see Stefan Weiss, who's part of Hemisphere, amazing, amazing producer. He <clears throat> released a couple tracks in February on the Poonchies Black label. He's going to be playing four Poonchies on Friday, so I'm definitely seeing him I, tomorrow yeah, night. Yeah, the lounge at Beta. Yeah, and then uh, I don't know about Saturday. I mean, Chris Grant's having a house party. He's got a bunch oh, of friends right. that are going to be there. Party, yeah, there's there's just so much going on. It's like <laughs> you almost have to like spin a wheel just to make a decision because it's so hard because everything's so good and there's so many different friends at so many different places it's just yeah well that's denver yeah on <laughs> any given weekend on any part of the year <laughs> doesn't matter yeah because then in the winter then there's snowboarding and skiing too so like yeah <laughs> it never ends well yeah let, let, before we get into learning a, a bunch about you um let, let's talk about together we were mentioning uh if you don't, if you're just tuning in or haven't listened to any of the podcasts before, you can go back to uh, the last episode. The last two episodes actually have quite, we talked quite a bit about uh, uh, together, so you can find out the history or uh, how this party came to be. But yeah, the, uh, three weeks ago, a handful of us, a bunch of my close friends such as Brian and uh, some other Denverites and Eric Starrett, uh, a couple other Iowans we all got together and threw, which a- ended up being the first party I've thrown out in Colorado where I was kind of in in the control seat for most of it, as well as uh, it was my first three-day festival I had experienced, like, completely organizing. So, yeah, man, like, le- leading up to the event, like, things were going pretty much as good as, or, I mean, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. We, I mean, we went through a couple things. I, a, a lot of people on different fronts, like, I know there was a couple flight delays uh, of some of our DJs flying in, and uh, one of our headliners, uh, Leon J from Minneapolis, his his uh, luggage got lost, so he they ended up having to wait at the airport for like seven hours until he finally got it back. He wouldn't have been able to play like otherwise. 
Um, <laughs> so and then there was uh, we almost didn't get the porta potties out there because we couldn't get somebody to haul it with the trailer. I mean, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Was, was there anything else you could think of that happened along those lines? <laughs> Leading up to it, getting out there. I don't know. We'll get in the stations for the dome construction. <laughs> the first day I went out there. Oh yeah. And the, getting the stations all set up kind of took a, a lot longer than planned. But I mean, that's that's part of it. And I, I mean, I've been doing events and stuff for long enough to where I finally gotten to the point where we've been in that stressful situation where you're like, oh my gosh, this is going wrong. That's going wrong. This is going wrong. That's going wrong. I always have to fall back on the fact that it's always always worked out in the end mm -hmm. no matter what's went wrong no matter how crazy it is in the end i've always looked back and been like that was awesome yeah <laughs> and and that, i guess as you get older you just start relying on that and being like let's just hope that i can say that again that's i mean that's together it was awesome it was Absolutely. awesome the spirit the unity of everything the the vibe the energy mm -hmm. the people Hell I, thought yeah. it was, I thought it was great yeah uh, yeah and i think uh the one story we'll tell like from one of the craziest things going into this was so we had a venue this was a total renegade party and uh we we had a spot uh that was found through other friends throwing parties up there and uh so we ended up finding another spot pretty close to where another party was up there last summer and we went there the weekend before with the sound guy Derek Saucer uh we went out and checked it out and we're like this is going to be the perfect spot uh, this is going to be awesome. Stage will go here, this and that. And then, uh, so the next week we planned on it. Uh, they're like, this is going to be the spot for the party. And uh, on Thursday, Thursday morning, helped Derek load up all of his sound equipment uh, in the morning because he was going up by himself to set up at the spot where we we're going to have the party on Thursday, you know, to claim the spot and everything because it's, there's, you don't register for it. You just go there and you right. do it. So he goes <laughs> up there not and it's like mid middle party. of the afternoon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's like middle afternoon, and I'm typing up the directions, like specific directions to the exact spot, because you can't really like GPS it. So right when I finish typing up the directions to the spot, I get a call from Derek, and I'm like, Derek, why is he calling? Like, there's no signal up there. It's like, he should be at the spot. So I answer my phone, and he's like, dude, don't freak out. He's like, I've already freaked out enough, but we don't have the venue anymore. <laughs> I'm like, we don't have the venue. What does that mean? He's like, man, I, I, I drove up here, you know, 17-foot truck by myself, drove up to the spot, and there were people camping there, like 10 of them. And he's like, uh, he got out of the truck and kind of like looked at his phone, and then two of the dudes came over to ask them. They're like, hey, what's up? What's with the truck? What are you doing? And he's like, hey, man, uh, I'll just be up front with you. <laughs> There's supposed to be about 150 people coming up to this spot this weekend. And I've got a truck full of sound, and we were going to do the party right here. And everybody has directions to here. And the the guys are the guys are like, what What do you mean, like, like like techno music? <laughs> and he's like, Yeah. And they're like, Oh, we love techno. And then right after he said that, uh, I guess the guy's girlfriend came over, and was just like, No, no. And she's like, No, this is our weekend away from the club. She's like, This is our spot and our weekend of solitude. We have forty, we have forty people coming up here, and no, 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 we're not having your music. And I guess he offered them like money, and you know, tried to reason with them, but she would not budge. So 
Derek left the place and drove down the road to where he could call me, and he was like, yeah, so then that's where we were at, where we were at in the conversation, and I'm like, I don't know what to do, dude. I'm, I, was, I was about ready to break down, because it's like, we just lost the venue. What the hell do we do? And he's like, Ben, calm down. I have another friend coming up here to meet me, and until he gets here, I'm going to just drive around and see if I can find something else, if there's anything else up here. And I'm like, okay, man. <clears throat> And like 40 minutes later, he calls me and I'm like, how is he calling me 40 minutes? Like it hasn't been any time. And he's like, dude, I found the spot that is better than any other spot we've looked at. And we're like, <laughs> he's like, and he gave me the, the directions or how to get there from where we were going to have the party. And I retyped the directions. And so it was a total virgin venue found within 24 hours of the party actually happening. And and it all fucking worked out. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It, it, was it had so many different facets to it, too. Like, as you went all, like, four different directions, it was completely different. It was Environments, yeah, 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 completely. And uh, so, yeah, like, just, just, I guess, some things about it. It was two stages. We had the main stage where everybody got, at, like, an hour to play on. And uh, this year we spent a couple weekends and $600 and constructed a, a geometric dome that, we had at the first stage so the first stage was pretty crazy and uh the second stage we did it was more of a chill style but during the day it was nothing but jam sessions and tag sets so a lot of people just got to have fun all day uh, and yeah half half of the motherfuckers came from iowa like half the lineup was iowa half the lineup was denver and yeah it was totally donation based so like it was it, it was if you can afford 10 bucks we appreciate it or if you want to give us more that's awesome and well, the donations were great, and the vibe was on, and it was awesome. <clears throat> it was awesome. I I enjoyed walking. I mean, for when we first got there, and Derek had told me that it wasn't the original spot. It seemed like it was meant for the festival because it had just enough space for cars to like almost like the trees created a road, and then where the <laughs> yeah. dome was, it was like someone came and just chopped all the trees down in that area where the dome was sitting, and the, it was it was just perfect the way it was set up. Like I was like, really, this isn't the original place, and he's like, no, nah, man, this is like way better though. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> Sounded like yeah, and it was and it, the way it was set up, the way we we had our tent, and I, I try to get our tent to, always set to where the the music kind of dissipates, but we didn't even have to be that far. Like we could actually still see the light of both stages with very minimal sound at our tent, so we could just walk boom there, stage one, stage two. It was mm -hmm. it was great, and then the energy of people. Um, I mean, the energy when I played my set under their dome was just awesome i could just give an energy back from the people that were dancing in the dome and then the stage two people were like chilling sitting around right in front of the the by the the fire that was there it was it was on point it was yeah it was yeah it, it, was, it happened magic perfectly. for sure yeah uh we actually have a little special uh guest stars here for this episode too randomly have some friends from Iowa in town here in Colorado and uh, they happened to come out from Iowa for the party three weeks ago uh, many of you may know them but if you don't uh, these are my good friends Drew and Seth Drew and Seth thanks for fucking coming on and being here for a moment and being able to inter or, thanks for know, having us man. yeah let us know how, how it went so yeah yeah tell us about your experience together uh, together was awesome um, I'm from Iowa so we're not blessed with mountains. 
every day, every time I open the door, we don't get to see mountains. So that's it's a huge factor. I mean, mm-hmm. but um, me and Ben actually met on a mountain. Yeah. Um, like it came full circle, or full circle for me. Like yeah, three years ago we met at Gemini in the morning, just sitting on the dance floor. Like he mentioned something about Dubuque, Iowa, and I was like. Dubuque, Iowa. I'm like, I'm from Cedar Rapids. Like, shut up. Like, what are you doing here? Why am I meeting you on a mountain outside of Boulder? (laughs) Right. And I mean, the music was great. Um, For me, it was the people, though. Like, meeting people from Colorado and people from Iowa and people from Iowa that now live in Colorado and have been here for a while. Um, I mean, it was just awesome. Like, I can't say how great it was, Ben. Thanks, dude. It was. Yeah, hell yeah. The best weekend I've had in. I mean, years, easily. Fuck yeah. <laughs> to me, what's so cool about it is that party started in Iowa years ago, before I was even involved in the scene. Mm-hmm. And to see it go to another place, another territory, another state, and be able to meet you know people from their scene that I've never met before, it's that's the cool thing. It's about meeting the people. It's about mm-hmm. everybody coming together, the music. you know, like We're all there for that one reason, for the music. you know. Mm-hmm. That's why it all works out. But it was cool because, you know, in Iowa, we the scene there is it's huge for us. We have a lot of talent, but we don't have venues like you guys do here. Mm-hmm. You know, we got sound, like, which you guys have talked about on previous podcasts. You know, we have everything except a venue. So <clears throat> to see our guys come out here and be able to showcase what we can do and what, you know, they can do is cool to see that and hear everybody else's sounds. But, yeah, it's to be able to be a part of that. You know, that's the first time I've ever been in the mountains. You know, <laughs> oh, this is my nice. third time on in Colorado. So, like, my first time to go in the mountains was to a small, private, invite-only festival put on by people I know and that's awesome. friends of other friends. Like, mm-hmm. it was real special yeah. to me. So, there's, there's thank few, you for that. You yeah, know? absolutely. There's a few people who played. They played, you know, in the mountain. You actually played. Yeah, I actually So, yeah, your first right. time. So, I show up and you will go to somebody the didn't... <laughs> play or I you know I stayed up and somebody didn't fill their spot and Peter Board comes up to me and hey man you want to play and I was like well yeah you know and I didn't think it'd be on the main stage on the big sound but yeah, I got to push that quad stack and it was awesome but yeah it was it was unbelievable to be first time in the mountains and I'm actually playing you know so yeah it was yeah. real special to me and it was cool it's appreciative it, it was one of those events where you walked around and or I mean whenever like one of the main conversations you would have was how awesome this party was exactly. like over and over and it never got old and that's I think that's just like how, kind of how you know because everyone's just like it's so almost and, uh, and it's, tangible to me, the, to the, me the everything energy. was perfect and for you to come up to me later that night saying that this was actually you just found this venue the day right. before to me that was it was nuts <laughs> you know what I mean like the party was t- that close to being over and you guys just found a spot and it was like hailing, said, by know, the way. I, I like, yeah, when Derek found the spot, yeah. it, it was hailing like crazy. And it you wasn't the easiest, people. like, you know, it's not like a highway, you know. I mean, it's no. more yeah, that, like that dirt drive road. Was, like, was pretty gnarly. But. Yeah, that's the other thing about the venue, too, is it's like it's 50, it's like 50 miles from downtown Denver, which doesn't sound far, but when you're driving on a gravel like road that Only winds going 15, through the mountains, 20 miles yeah, an hour on the, in the mountains. it's like for ATV people going up an atv trailing like right. it's yeah it's 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 it was a way longer than people were expecting and then uh a lot of people had issues finding it well uh, but a lot of them didn't have any issues but 
Like, it was like, time. yeah, it's like, you that was kind of one of my thing, feelings about it. I was like, if you can't find the place, then, like, I don't know if you deserve to be there. Like, <laughs> right, right. Right. <laughs> I love the part where you're going to an event, and this happened with together, where you're, you're driving to the event, and you're on your own, you're kind of in your own world, and you don't associate where you're going with anyone that's around you. But then as you start getting closer, and then you get to Rampart Range Road, and you start driving, and you're wondering, I wonder if the person in front of us is going to, and the person behind us exactly. is going to. And then you get far. Once you hit that, like, 15-mile mark, you know 20-mile mark, you're like, there's no way these guys are not going to this festival. <laughs> exactly. And then we got to that one spot, and we paused, and the one guy jumps out and goes, are you guys going to together? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you think this is it? And I'm like pretty sure that thing's not naturally hanging from a tree right. and so and it turned out perfectly that was the right. entrance and I just love that That I've always loved that part where like you see all the cars and then all of a sudden you're all like one unit entering yeah. into like a train, an event yeah. the party. That, would, that would happen and like uh, watching the door like we get like waves of cars and you figured it was just like four cars following I was each up other there at one point but most of the time it was just people just running like oh we're all going to the same place right. like not not following each other. I sat at the, the gate at one point and there was like seven cars and we were just bombarded like, oh, okay, uh, let's you go there, you talk to them, this and that. And yeah. it's cool to see everybody come well, out. Well, at one point, um, we were talking to somebody and somebody came up to us and told us how um, at other campsites they had signs that said, this is not Oh, together. yeah. That was, <laughs> and yes. like, that that was, was the icing on the cake. Oh, yeah. my God. And it, it <laughs> might have been, awesome. been the one that where we the were originally going to do the party, which would be bittersweet. Right. But yeah, I guess and they hung up. the girl Because so many people, <laughs> yeah, so many people were driving down to their campsite like, is this together? And they're like, no, this is not together. <laughs> so they hung up a sign. I wish we got a picture. Someone could have snagged that. Right. That's priceless. <laughs> uh, while we're on the point, I want to talk about my favorite sets of the weekend. Um, I think the most, the set I was looking forward to in hit me with surprise was Rhiannon's set, man. Like, Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> just all, her track selection, like, I, like all those tracks were just, it was jamming, and she went up there, and, you know, I'm at first she might have been a little nervous, but then all of a sudden, ten minutes later, she had the look of confidence on her face. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one She's point, in the zone. Like, she was just in her zone and going at it, and it was it was great to see. But uh, mm-hmm. that, and uh, Peter Board actually impressed me. I mean, he... He killed it actually, and he actually played the Iowa track, and I, that's what really made it for me. It was that's actually Staffa has that track, but mm-hmm. he didn't. He lost his music, so Peter played it and killed it. And uh, Mike Walker, his set was awesome. Um, it's all originals. All yeah, all his original music, and that's cool to see him do that. Quite a few people like that. Yeah. Yep, that, that's awesome. But yeah, dude, it was like I said, the artists came together, great sets, the venue. I, to me, it went perfect. You know, mm-hmm. so congrats and bring ups on that and look forward to maybe attending another one so yeah absolutely absolutely there better be more the demand is there that's for sure right. and i mean if i don't if i don't fracture my leg again then <laughs> if that happened again i'd probably have to we'll laugh, we'll laugh. i wouldn't have crutches to play with for like five hours yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah any or you guys have anything else you want to say sets or rian you want to say anything about together how you liked it all right, we got one more guest, uh, my girlfriend, the lovely and beautiful Rhiannon Ship, who threw down, uh, and I'd have to agree, that one of the best sets of the weekend, her first time ever experiencing the flow state, so it was pretty awesome, but yeah, well, how'd you feel about it? Um, well, I was pretty nervous about it before, because I've been dealing with you for the past, like, three months. I was like, oh, this is going to just be horrible, he's just going to be stressed out, but no, it, it was great. 
Mm-hmm. And um, my best friend was here, was Nick. And that actually, she wasn't here, I probably would have gone crazy. She holds me down. <laughs> um, she's your rock. Yeah, she's my rock. Um, but I really loved Kevin Callison's set, like, a lot, a lot, a lot. It was so groovy and awesome. And then um, Alex M's set Saturday night was mm-hmm. redonkulous. Super awesome, and then I really loved David last set as well. Yes, he played my favorite track, mm-hmm. Paradise oh, Circus. Yeah. <laughs> that was, oh, and it was like the perfect timing, like 4.30 in the morning, like just getting light out, like, oh. Yeah, it was like dope. goosebumps, yeah. seriously. Yeah, and I heard uh, I heard about your set from Derek. Der- it was like Derek's favorite, the sound guy's favorite set of the weekend. He said you did some crazy shit. I was working the door all the first nights, so I didn't really. <laughs> it was a journey. Yeah, you guys were working the entrance right right when I played. Yeah, yeah. That was the first night. Yeah, I played. Yeah, the first night, and then I played the Chill second stage. stage the next morning. Yeah, yeah. We're right on, guys. Any anything else we want to say about together before we wrap this up? No, I'm good. Thank you. Look yeah, forward to next year. Yeah, 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 feel feel good. Good. yeah, thanks for being on the podcast, right. guys. Too, I look, for forward a quick to, second. look forward to hearing your opinion. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's gonna suck. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. <laughs> Completely. I mean, still, I'm sure the music will be good still. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, just, uh, I guess, That's quick shout-out. Sorry if I forget anyone, but uh, majorly everybody who helped us put it on and couldn't ha- happen without you guys. Uh, Eric and Carolyn, for sure, everything you did beginning to end. Uh, well, Brian, of course, uh, Kevin and uh, Jake and a few other people there helping set up in the beginning. Oh, obviously, Derek and Derek. his yeah Derek the sound guy absolutely for providing an immense quadraphonic sound system for I mean just getting it up there for him so yeah and I mean yeah any everybody who came from Iowa all the DJs everybody who volunteered like the up and down oh the um what was that guy's name the uh the guy that fixed the turntable like mid festival oh, Clancy Clancy the uh, what's his name oh. the rebuilder. Clancy. Okay, so I got to insert a little okay. story yeah, here. Yeah, so the turn, it. I brought my turntables, and they ended up going back and forth from stage one to stage two. They started stage one when I did my first set, and then ended up jumping back. I, I found out six times between the two stages. Somehow between the, the six times they went back and forth, the start button got damaged because they got transported without being put in the cases. But the this one guy, he's called the Rebuilder, all of a sudden, I come up and everyone's coming and telling me the bad news. Like, like my like I had a child and he he just got in a fight and got punched out and, I, and they're like <laughs> telling me like they're gonna hold me down and I'm gonna get like aggressively angry, which I don't get that way at all. <laughs> and they're like, but no, this 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 guy is called the Rebuilder. He's working on the turntable. This is Brian S. Brian S. is actually telling me this, so he brings me over there and I come over and it's kind of a nerve wracking situation because he's got. He's literally taking the turntable apart. He ends up flipping it over on the bottom and pulling all the screws out, which I've never even done to a turntable, and lifts the whole back out to pull the post of the start button out so he can push it back in and get it to where you can flip, adjust it on the other side. Wow. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm just kind of trusting the fact that everyone's trusting this guy. And then when he gets it all put together and all the screws are put right in the back plate, and he's doing this at an amazingly fast 
an amazingly efficient speed. <laughs> Flips it back over, literally gets it ready within five minutes. Kevin Callison's coming up and he's like, Are you guys almost ready? He's like, I go I'm on in like five minutes. And within the five minutes before Kevin Callison goes on, he flips it over and goes, all right, we're ready, let's go. And we take the turntable, literally get the turntable to the second stage, plug it in, and within five minutes, Kevin Callison's spinning vinyl, which was an amazing set. But I was just, I went back to the tent and told, because Rose was resting over at the tent at that point, I'm like, you would not believe what just happened. One, you wouldn't believe what, ha- what started it, what's happened to my turntables, but you wouldn't believe the outcome of it. So, and that's just cool, like... I, my stories, my equipment sometimes have more stories to tell than I do, and that's that, that's definitely another story <laughs> they have to tell. That's hilarious, man. Yeah, well, yeah, shout out to Clancy. That's Curtis's little brother, right? Yeah, and he said his brother's the destroyer. Yeah, Curtis so they're the like destroyer. the yin yang. Oh, the, the builder and the, the destroyer. builder and the destroyer. <laughs> I was like, are we playing a video game here? Like, <laughs> that is fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, thanks to everyone involved. Uh, oh, yeah, big shout out to. Brian S. Uh, for uh, helping us, uh, he helped get them porta potties up there, which was people were very happy about not having to take craps in the woods and stuff. Yeah, so. he's, an, <laughs> he's an awesome soul. So yeah, and if I forgot anyone, thank you guys so much. And yeah, we'll 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 be shooting to do it again next year. So all right, well yeah, enough about together. Let's talk about and learn about Brian here. Um, so yeah, man, let's let's go back a few years. So where were you? Where were you born and raised and such? I was born in a small town in Illinois called Chicago. <laughs> it's a tiny <laughs> Birthplace of house music. Might have heard of it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, neighborhood on the, the north side. Just A lot of people know where Northwestern is, so a mile south of Evanston um, is where I was born. So, yeah. Really cool growing up there, growing up around house music. I grew up originally in the disco scene because my mom was... Uh, um, like talent coordinator, dance choreographer. So I, I basically spent the majority of my younger life in a club called Sassafras. Uh, had all my birthday parties there. Pretty much spent every every day there. Um, <clears throat> Arsenio Hall. A lot of people know him from the Arsenio Hall. He was actually the opening comedic act for Sassafras. So after he did his comedic act, and that's when clubs were. I don't know if anyone saw the movie Studio Fifty Four were the club would shut down for an act, like a singing act, it would shut down for an aerialist and then kick back in. It wouldn't just run straight through the whole night. That's mm-hmm. how Sassafras was. Um, so after his comedic act was done, he actually, he'd take care of me. So in, in a way, I can say that Arsenio Hall was my babysitter. Oh, crazy. Um, when, I, when I was younger. So, But it was really cool growing up with that. We were always listening to music because of what my mom did. Um, she resisted digital for many many years i think the first time we got a cd player i bought a cd and it was mc hammer and cds had obviously been in out for a long long time <laughs> and my mom had shelves and shelves of vinyl so yeah chicago house right. music right on uh so what kind of stuff were you into growing up like were you, did you do sports like when you were younger or? um yeah i was always i was always fast so i i mean I didn't really until grade school. My mom signed me up for, uh, she saw an ad for a track meet and actually signed me up. I ended up taking first place in, in long jump and high jump and and uh, second place in the 200 meter dash. 
And I did it with gym shoes on, like high tops, that were half laced. <laughs> and then eventually that turned into uh, doing trek in high school, going to state finals in trek, and a couple academic scholarships ended up paying for my college education at IU. So, Oh, wicked, man. Sports definitely were, were a part. Our, our, our family was more musical and arts-based, but just, mm-hmm. yeah, sports was definitely uh, there. It was definitely a, a prevalent part of my life. Right. On. So in high school, did you did you play instruments or what? What kind of stuff? Hobbies and hanging out. What did you do? Yeah, in high school, um, I it was actually a, an Easter church service. I kind of felt in lo- fell in love with what I thought was the trumpet. It turned out it to be the uh, piccolo trumpet. But then um, I ended up learning the trumpet in high school, and I did all the community bands. Um, in uh well in eighth grade i actually was in high school band so i was actually which caused some friction because in eighth grade i went to high school to do the high school band uh, which i didn't end up going to that high school but that caused kind of a lot of friction for me because i got a lot of shaft from the the people who were sitting below me that were in high school but Hmm. um yeah i did jazz band i played in uh um the Chicago and Youth Symphony Orchestra played in a mariachi band. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we actually were a MIDI test site. We were one of the original MIDI test sites in the United States. So we got a MIDI testing lab in our high school, and we got the opportunity to take college-level music theory. So I got to use the actual MIDI lab and write. Um, we got to write a bunch of compositions in high school, and I wrote a few uh, small orchestra compositions and it was cool because you got to the concept of being able to write music and just assign the instruments to the actual like you would write out the sheet music mm-hmm. on the computer and then assign the instruments and then you could hear what it sounded like oh, wow. before the band even played the sheet music you could hear it and then the the whole thing of like we got to play the iwi uh, which was kind of like a soprano sax looked like a clarinet and actually use that and then there was uh the electronic drum kit that oh my gosh i was in that room playing that thing forever that was that was awesome got to play in the the uh, 50 yard line of the um indianapolis colts football stadium a couple times for high school marching solos, band yeah oh wicked did uh miser and a couple others that was awesome that was adrenaline I got more adrenaline from playing on the 50-yard line of their football stadium than I did at any single track meet ever. And <laughs> How I many won. people were there? It was it was a full stadium. Oh, stadium geez. was completely full. It's halftime. Oh, I mean, shit. everybody's there. I mean, some people are going and getting hot dogs and getting beer because it's halftime. That's yeah, the time yeah. to do that. But just hearing the resonance of the sound coming back at you from all different directions... Mm-hmm. in a stadium like that like you don't realize that if you're in the center of the 50 all the sound comes back it's like that sweet spot in the band room oh yeah where every single thing echoes and centers in that one acoustically uh perfect oh, center spot even up because it's a dome there yeah so yeah, yeah. <laughs> crazy man uh what kind of music were you into growing up then like prior to electronic music i guess um well, I mean, I grew up with disco, so disco kind of was the integration of electronic music. I mean, it was a very electronic-based after it started jumping out of the, the band disco sound, and so there's there's almost always electronic 
music influence. I mean, when I was younger than that, we basically grew up on um, like classical and Baroque music. Mm. Um, so we were uh, weren't really. I actually didn't even hear what would be considered classic rock today. I didn't really, really get to hear that until I got to high school. Oh wow. Um, so when I was listening to a lot of stuff, it was already old. Like I was experiencing Boston and Kansas and like that stuff after everyone's like, oh, dude, that's not like, mo that's not the music of today. But I mean, in Chicago is different. Like the, the stations we were listening to, you'd have like B96 today is all like top 40 music, but it used to be like live DJs all week, different DJs just getting on, getting on, getting on, getting on. And like the DJ culture that exists within the electronic music scene is part of the Chicago culture. I mean, Frankie Knuckles has his own street in Chicago. Like, mm -hmm. house music is a part of Chicago. Like, you go to festivals that aren't electronic music festivals, you hear house music. Like, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then there was a big era where, at the time I called it Latin Breaks, um, but now it's called Freestyle. Uh, but there's a... Uh, there was a lot of that for about two years. That's all you pretty much heard on the radio and all you listened to. Oh, wow. um, diamond Girl. You're mm. my Diamond Girl. That's that's the one song that actually made mainstream radio that a lot of people nationwide heard of. But it's funny because go, you go even just a little outside of that area, most people never even heard that genre. <laughs> so I kind of had a different, a different... Not different than anyone I grew up with, just different than... Most like the yeah, people unique. I went to, yeah, I yeah. met in college, different not hearing classic rock to your yeah. high school. Yeah, that's that's very unique, man. So, when did you sort of discover? I mean, you were saying uh, disco kind of it was the intro, but when did you discover like electronic music for the first time or started like listening to it? Well, how I mean, house music. I guess I get. I mean, in grade school, I was making. This is before I even grade school and high school before I'd even touched a turntable or even ever thought I would touch a turntable I was making um, mixtapes and it actually was pretty common amongst me and my friends it wasn't like a, a uh, revolutionary concept mm -hmm. but we would take tapes and actually take songs that we recorded off the radio and we would use the other tape deck and record into them and make our own mixtapes and then disperse them and then copy them and disperse them among each other and our friends. Your own radio show kind so, of So, yeah. So, I mean, so it was like we're making our own mixtapes, just not mixing them on the equipment that you would generally, that most people would generally think of. I mean, to us, it was, it was pretty common. We were all, we were all pretty much doing it. Um, but the, the full-blown DJ, well, I guess, I don't know, Chicago always had... DJ music, so it's, it's really hard. I mean, yeah, it, it wasn't an un, it was never an uncommon thing, mm -hmm. um, an uncommon thing there. It wasn't until I got to college that I got my first pair of t turntables. Uh, I had a friend was selling, and you, these are like the worst turntables you could buy. But Gemini XL one hundreds, bell driven, like they should be toys for kids like under the age of 12 because they are garbage but the 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 actual pitch is only like an inch and a half long so you talk about the slightest movement having the biggest effect on the turntable and they're belt driven so you can't if you touch it too hard or 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 you even have a hard time speeding it up because that belt's just telling you, nope, it's going this fast. <laughs> there's, there's no direct drive option on that. 
Oh man. <laughs> but then uh So did you go did you get turntables or did you go to uh what you would like refer to as your first party first? Or did you go to like a, a underground rave or all night event? Um, I went to my first rave when I was twelve. Oh shit. Um I didn't think of it as a rave. I didn't think of it in that context that I'm going to a rave. But it was I was 12. The guest dancers were actually from um, Breakin. They're these like super short Mexican badass break dancer dudes. And I just remember it was at a, a post. So I don't know if you're familiar with like American Legion. Oh yeah. They have these like posts, whatever 602 or whatever like all over the country yeah yeah yeah, and i was at one of those and i didn't actually i don't think i wasn't actually supposed to be there but they let me in like it was i was just kind of casually let in because growing up in chicago i was a latch a latchkey kid so i was was, my mom had two jobs single parent mom so she's always gone so i pretty much she never really knew how much i was not at home um but i i pretty much took advantage of that and um, I just remember seeing those guys break dance and seeing the energy. I really wasn't completely aware from a chemical standpoint of what was going on around me. Like that yeah. part, I had no concept and no idea of. Um, but I just, I definitely felt something there and that kind of stuck with me. Well, until today, I mean, it's still with me. So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so from there, I guess, yeah. When, so what age were you when you got your first turntables? Or what made you want to be a DJ? Was it that that party itself? Um, I mean, honestly, it was the opportunity of getting a pair of t- turntables I could afford is what allowed me to get turntables. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when that when the opportunity showed up, I just kind of snagged it. Uh, I was already kind of involved in events and 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 tied into being a part of managing events and promoting events and doing events at that point already. Uh, and then I was just kind of doing the turntables on my own behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just kind of realized that, you know, I got to make this more important. So we actually ended up buying like two sets of turntables, me and my um, my roommate, Ox, who DJed under the name Bryce Jevin. And then, you you know, Seth Nichols, like we oh, basically yeah. got all our vinyl from him. So he used to be uh, he used to have a tag team. It was Seth and Mac. They owned Evolving Records in Indianapolis, Indiana, and they basically fed the the entire, like, whole Midwest area over there. I mean, even Terre Haute, Lafayette, all those areas, they fed mm-hmm. everybody their vinyl. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, and I just stuck with the turntables. I actually switched to a controller when I first got here and started getting a lot more gigs because the uh, booths just aren't built to have turntables here and so I was like this is kind of inconvenient so I got a I got a controller and uh, that lasted for a little while and it kind of stopped working and mm-hmm. I'm actually glad um, I'm glad I went back to the turntables plus people love them people see them and it's just a different it's a it's a good feel when you know that you're physically speeding and slowing the music up yeah and you hear i mean you hear imperfections and, and you hear that's inconsistencies <laughs> but that's that's part of it i mean that's yeah. what they all used to sound like like sometimes people are like oh he's train wrecking and i'm like no that dude's playing on vinyl like that's what it's always sounded like before controllers came out like, mm-hmm. before like computers be matched for you like that's what <laughs> <laughs> what uh what was the first music you started playing when you started playing then um honestly i started playing trance 
Yeah. Yeah, I was Just playing like trance. <laughs> yeah. I was rocking that. I was wrecking that shit out too, man. Mm-hmm. I was having so much fun with it, mm-hmm. and I was still pushing tapes. Someone posted online uh, to, who has made a mixtape. Yeah, and Peter. I'm like, oh, Peter put that. <laughs> yeah, <on>? yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and I was like, I was like, wow, we all we used to all make mixtapes. Just like hand them out, like. But yeah, I mean, trance. Awesome. So how did uh, what was the state of Chicago? I mean, it's it's a big city but what was the state of the scene when you started partying and or how how did you get involved or did you start throwing parties or well chicago's always had an amazing scene there there's a part of chicago called the slaughterhouse district and that's where some of the some of the best parties happened um cattle used to be shipped to chicago for the purpose of slaughtering and then dispersing meat Mm -hmm. and uh when that all shut down all these amazing warehouses um, were just left so you'd have parts of town where they were pretty that no one lived there there wasn't really any businesses and and the police like they'd drive through because they were required to do every once in a while but they never I mean it wasn't financially viable to pay someone to drive around an area no one's supposed to be yeah <laughs> um, so they that's that's uh, there's a lot of warehouse parties there, and man, they were there are some gritty, some some rough energy in there. But you know what? Once you got inside, it was it was it was just awesome. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, it kind of changed. I mean, there there's um, an event where Mayor Daly like Mayor Daly told his daughter not to go. I mean, she had a lot of money, so that's yeah, she that would the go. Yeah, Chicago rave act, right? Yep. Yeah, and that that was that scared everybody because I think it was if you had three hundred people, and a lot, so DJs and and at least three hundred people there, they owned your equipment, and that scared everybody. And then it went to the, that shut everything down, and it went to the suburbs, and then all the suburbs kids that had endless amounts of money, they completely changed the culture, and cute raver girls turned into girls in underwear <laughs> it, it, it never it never never regained its uh the rave scene but it, it's good because the legitimate part of the house music scene then went into clubs mm-hmm. and then that became it lives through the music it, for sure yeah, yeah. went into clubs got respected got its own festivals mm-hmm. um yeah well cool man yeah so did you throw shows in chicago or i mean you were telling me about this party house you used to have yeah, that was uh, actually I went to my for college. I went to my mom's alma mater. She uh, went to Indiana University, so I went to Indiana University, and um, you know that's where I ran track under Sam Bell, which she was actually his first statistician. Oh, right and then after I was there for a few hour or, or a few hours, <laughs> a few years, um, I moved into this one house where everyone in the building moved out, and the landlord didn't move anybody back in and I realized that that was that way for a couple months and I didn't know that the landlord had actually passed away otherwise I would have lived there forever and just had the whole entire house eventually I moved out because I didn't know what the heck was going on and my friends offered me a, a spot to live oh you just place. left <laughs> so I was like, was like dude I have this huge house I can get us into the other apartments and let's just throw parties and so then we made phone calls and started throwing parties in this place and that went over for a few months and then I got asked to move into this other house kind of based off the parties that I was throwing and that got affectionately dubbed the nocturnal house 
And uh, that's really where we started throwing after hours for the raves. And rave, like Indiana raves were huge. Like there's there's raves with 3,000, 5,000, 6,000 people. They were just massive. I mean, they weren't like live on the decks in Chicago, which had like 10,000 people going to that party, but they were, uh, they're still huge. Mm-hmm. And um, so we kind of got a grip and took a handle of the after hours scene for that. And then we, um, and then I was like, well, you know, I, I, I can do more with this. And I found out, I, I started the IU Swing Club, which was actually swing dancing, um, which is still the longest membership paying club in IU history. And I started it way back in the day. <laughs> but through That's that, awesome. I realized I could get money from the school to do stuff. So I started a group called E Equals MC Squared, which is the Electronic, Amu- Electronic Music and Cultural Coalition. And the whole... Um, proposal that I put towards IU is that we're doing electronic music um, but we're bringing the education with it. So we started doing stuff on IU property in the various halls Um, that eventually led to I threw the Bloomington Electronic Music Festival for four years so that pulled people from all over the area even from Purdue and competing Um, we ended yeah it's that was I mean and then we, we then we did the we started Bloomington based syndicate, which were all the different crews, because we noticed the the party scene started getting clickish to where single genre and that's kind of like the point of together bringing different genres and crews together, which is awesome. That's what mm-hmm. I loved about that festival. Um, <clears throat> but we noticed people started going in their own direction. So you get drum and bass parties, you start getting this party, this party. Um, so we created the Bloomington based syndicate, and every crew was allowed to bring two people on. The two people they wanted to be representative from their crew and so we started throwing parties together bringing all our money together bringing all our minds together all our equipment our sound our lights our projections mm-hmm. um it was a good time and then uh i'll add these two other names um that i used to tell people mostly mostly the underground people tell them what kind of party it was i had above ground sound and nocturnal productions so if you saw a party we threw with Nocturnal Productions, you knew it was underground. You can show up underground and be underground while you're at the party. <laughs> if it was above ground sound, then it was usually an outdoor event where we wanted the, wanted the people, we wanted people that normally don't hear the music to come and and hear the, hear electronic music in a in, in, a, in a manner that didn't fit all the stereotypes that they probably heard mm-hmm. prior to them being exposed to that that showcase. I mean, we did Urban Outfitters, we did People's Park, it was lots of stuff. I mean, it, it, it grew quite a really, it grew a really good culture, a, a really good culture. And there was a whole bunch of us. There was so many people that were a part of it. All of our energies were pure and the outcome was just amazing. That's, that's fucking awesome, man. So when did you decide to make the move to Colorado? Um, three and three quarters year ago. Actually, that's when I moved. Um, probably about six months before that, I w- was first here for my cousin's wedding, and uh, their wedding was amazing. I saw the mountains, and I had a buddy here, um, DJ Raphael, uh, who's Mike Diggs. I don't know. If you, a lot of people know Tay Diggs. Um, the act, the actor, like Thelma got her group back. He's in the movie Go. Oh, That's his okay. brother. He was my DJ partner when I moved when uh, when I first visited, and prior to me moving here, and he had made the move first. 
And when I was there at that wedding, he basically said, give me one week. I need you to come and visit and give me one week and you will want to move here. And I was like, all right, well, I'll give you one week. And so I came here and he literally had everything lined up from doing um, what I consider a rich mansion pool party to there's an underground warehouse rave to us doing house parties to uh, Monday where I live now, Fusion Factory. Monday was actually going to Potluck Monday night, DJing on the stage there for Potluck because it was open DJ night. And then we went to Sancho's, which is the 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 dead hippie bar. Yeah, yeah. And saw live band night on Monday night. So like he had everything lined up. Um, <laughs> and basically after that weekend, I was like, I went <clears throat> back to Chicago and told my boss. Um, I'm moving to Colorado and he's like dude you're like a month and a half away from promotion I was like I have to do this <laughs> and he's like why it doesn't and I was like if I don't do this I know that for the rest of my life I'll wonder what would have happened if I did and it was the best choice the best choice I love Colorado the people that are from here and the people that decide to come here are amazing <laughs> um, it just has a great way of pulling amazing people together in one spot from different parts of the United States and different parts of the world and just the electronic music culture here blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. Like it's almost the basis. Overwhelming. Like it's, <laughs> it's almost like band culture. Sec it, the band culture definitely is secondary. If you mm -hmm. consider like events and venues, and like um, like nationwide write-ups that you get, it's yeah. Yeah. And I met Rose. I met Rose here. That was the best thing that that happened to me. That met her at a recon drum and bass show. <laughs> um, only a few weeks after moving here, but I met her and I knew within a few minutes. I was like, I was, I was like, man, this girl's amazing. I need to spend the rest of my life with her. So fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, mo most people who move here seem to have have the same kind of good luck as as time goes on. So I can definitely relate. Absolutely. So you said you moved here. That was, so that was three and a half years ago. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, October. Of, well, three and three quarters, whatever. Th October of two thousand eleven. Uh, okay. So yeah, you're you're just short of a year before we moved out here because we're coming up on three years of moving out here. Um. All right. Well, yeah. You said your buddy. So, how did you get involved in the scene, and what was what was it like compared to what you were used to? Um. Well, when I when I first moved here, when I was DJing with Raphael, um, we made the decision that we were going to DJ as a, a duo under the name Booty Juice. <laughs> and like that, it, like that it. response is exactly what we were going for, and it, it worked. I mean, the the first place that accepted us immediately within a, a few days of moving here, um, which I actually played during that week when I was here. Uh, was called the POY Warehouse. That was at 2nd and Santa Fe. So right at the very, very tail end of the whole Santa Fe art walk, the art district. And um, immediately they're like, hey, you should be our... And I was playing I was playing Electro when I moved here. Mm -hmm. um, pretty bang and dirty Electro. I don't know if you're familiar with like Porn and Chicken in Chicago. Oh yeah, those parties. Like I was playing some... My, my, my old roommate used to work at the... The bar that did porn and chicken, so yeah, very, that's very aware Evil Olive. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I never played there, but that was that was the the kind of the style that they played played there was kind of the style I was rocking out at that time. But um, yeah, I came here and we started DJing under that, and I was I, I my job transferred over. Um, I took a couple levels step down to move here. Well, um, that's cool. You could transfer at least. Yeah, they transferred. I made me. that last move. I did. 
huge pay. No, that, yeah, I made about to get a raise. Less too. than a third of what I made in Chicago, but oh, uh, it was worth it. I have no yeah, regrets. Yeah. No regrets. <laughs> While I'm working there, I meet um, Alex, Alex M, Alejandro Martinez, mm-hmm. in the warehouse, and uh, he hears me talking about DJing, and I hear him talking about DJing, and then he's like, "Oh yeah," and he had a uh, residency at Funky Buddha, and he's like, "You should play." Um, you should play our, our next show at Funky Buddha, which was January. Um, so I got to open up for Smiley, which that guy's, I love that guy. That's The name Smiley is perfect for him because you only need to talk to him for like two seconds before he just has you smiling. He's like the most positive energy and everything he says is a hilarious, <laughs> funny joke, even though he's not trying to be that way. That's just how he is. So I got to open up for him and then the month after that, um, they're like, man, that went over really well. We want you to be the headlining guest the next month. So then I played the next month after that. And uh, that's when Alex asked me, um, do, do you, we want you to be part of Hemisphere Groove Collective. And that was, that was a huge honor because that, like, that was basically Denver saying, not only do we like you, but we are, we're asking you to be a part of our family and yeah, sit at the dinner to table help shape with us. This, help shape yeah, it. and and uh, it how was long just, was that after you had lived here then? So I got here in October. The first Funky Buddha show was January, and the second one was February. Right on. So yeah, within like six months ish, almost. Yeah. So it it happened happened pretty fast. I mean, I I'm still amazed when you're talking about the differences between what I was used to and this. Um. What I was used to was everything that happened, we made. We made it happen. We got a residency here. We got a residency here. And when I got to here, and even to this day, the amount of options you have of where you can play, how many parties are being thrown, how many crews are throwing. And probably the one of the biggest cultural things that blows my mind is the sound systems here. Like yeah, we could we don't fuck us, around, man. Yeah, like for <laughs> I, like I was used to if we just got a bunch of speakers and we were loud, that we were good. Yep. We were good. Let's throw a party. But here if it's not one of the four top sound systems yeah. in the entire world then they're everyone's like void function water we're just turbo like, is yeah, pretty like much the standard. Quad sounds. <laughs> yeah, quad. And everyone's so it, it's amazing everyone's so not necessarily picky but they're connoisseurs of their sound quality and they're connoisseurs of their their music and it's mm-hmm. it's great cuz even the person that is least listening to the DJ is still very listening to the DJ and listening mm-hmm. to what they're doing. So it's awesome. So what was being a joining Hemisphere like? How did how did things change or how has it evolved over the years? Um, it was it was awesome. It, I mean, first uh, there was the residency at Funky Buddha, and then um, Rose and I actually went to Opal, which. Opal ended up becoming like a launching pad for me to create my network and network into people. Mm-hmm. Um, we went there to eat on a Thursday and um, they were playing music on an iPod and I was like, you know, I know people that play this music live, like DJ this music live. And they're like, well, hey, you can have Thursdays. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, all right, cool. So I took Thursdays on and we booked for, what was it, almost... Two and a half years, yeah, yeah. booked over two hundred fifty DJs. Too. Yeah, two hundred over two hundred fifty DJs. We booked. I mean, we can say we booked international talent because I, um, I forget what his name is. The guy from Mexico. Um, he couldn't even really speak English. 
Um, but we got a phone call saying, hey, he's going to be in, in Denver. We heard you have a Thursday night. And we're like, sure, he's done. He's playing. And uh, that became a really good um, networking spot. And it is cool because I got to be get really close with Alex and Caesar and, and at that time. And then and uh, got to really, really feel like a family. Mm-hmm. And just got to meet all the different facets. I mean, we tried to book every single DJ that I could find. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just, and that's that's that was kind of the launching pad, which is why even still to this day, I still play at Opal once a month, mm-hmm. just as a just as a thank you. And kind of like every time I'm 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 DJing there, I still kind of remember when I first got here and some of the first sets that kind of got made led to everything that's happening right now so yeah so did you what kind of warehouse shows or other kind of events did hemisphere do as you were working with them um well hemisphere i mean it was, hemisphere is a whole a bunch of a whole different a bunch of i mean there was stuff at fusion there was stuff going on at other various warehouses there was all the poi warehouses um even before alex and i turned into a tag set um we were DJing individually at those places, like doing our own sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, probably one of the coolest things was uh, I met this guy, Kode. He threw the Radical Audiovisual Exhibition, um, which is a one-day uh, main stage, second stage festival that was at Civic Center Park, right in between the state capitol and the state courthouse building. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I went up to him and was like, hey, you know, I could get your one-day festival and take this to a two-day festival and i think i can get you up to four or five stages and so he kind of gave me a little area to pioneer so we put one of the stages got it to hemisphere so it was cool because hemisphere got to showcase all the people at that time that we thought were like the key players Mm -hmm. um and then um Yeah, it was uh, that was actually a pretty neat thing because we got our own. It felt like a family stage. I mean, there was still the other festival, the other areas going on at that time, but that our stage definitely felt like a hemisphere family stage. <laughs> awesome, cool. Any upcoming shows that you guys? Because are you guys doing every four months now? You're doing events or trying to or? Yeah, we're doing an event every every four months. Um, yeah, I don't know when the. Yeah, I mean, we haven't set a date for the night when the next hemisphere, hemisphere show is. I mean, I've I've got Opal every third Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're doing the Frankie Bones, Gattle Blaster, DJ Hyperactive show August fifteenth with oh, yeah. Paul Anthony. I don't know. I think we're in kind of a pause, but I mean, it's good. I need a, you need a time to. Breathe oh yeah, in. if if any time in. right now is fine. <laughs> Plenty of people doing. Plus, a I lot need of to get to the lifting. mountains for non. Yeah, to, get to the mountains to not have <laughs> music the mountains, playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not have music playing and watch the trees grow. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. So one thing I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, it's kind of interesting about your life at this point. Uh, you live at the Fusion Factory. So um, I know I've talked about that on the the podcast many times before, or the venue. But yeah, if you just want to explain kind of what the Fusion Factory is and and yeah, what what it's like to live there, I guess. <laughs> So the Fusion Factory, it's an amazing place. I mean, I, I was obviously in that first week where I visited my friend, I DJed there. Every Monday night, they have a potluck. Um, it's run by Calamity Meg. Um, it's actually the um, 
Colorado and Denver headquarters for both Apogee, which is the local Colorado burn, but also the Colorado headquarters for Burning Man. Mm -hmm. um, so like for instance, right now, Colorado is building um, an entire display in Colorado representation that will actually be on the playa at Burning Man, which is it's going to be ca it's called the Midway Project. Mm -hmm. um, so there's people that have been there for a few weeks coming in, um, donating their time, donating materials, um, painting, building. Uh, it's just a very it's Meg runs it, so it's a very community oriented place. So like there's body art jams, so there's groups that'll come in and they'll do body painting. Um, there's everything from electronic music events. Um, there's even uh, um, as, uh, seminars that happen. Like there was one talking about the art at Burning Man and how do we get the art at Burning Man to be art on the street versus someone having to wait till they die to get a piece of art put on the street. Mm -hmm. How do we get it actively there while the person's still living? Mm -hmm. um, it's just a very, it, it's an amazingly organic, play, organic place and how it's, how it's run and how it's functioned. It's it's definitely it definitely takes a lot of you out of the, out of it to, to especially if you have a regular job and like Mike's job is to run Fusion Factory, but mm -hmm. if you have a regular job and then you're coming in, um, it can be it can be kind of taxing because <laughs> if the place doesn't shut down when normal people shut down, like it's always operating. There's mm -hmm. always something happening. There's always something going in or out of Fusion Factory. Yeah. Your um, bedroom's literally like 15 feet from the DJ booth. <laughs> yeah, the best part is I never even knew that bedroom existed, and most people still don't even know that that bedroom exists because yeah. you walk in for events and you're facing. Oh, I'm not going to tell everyone where my bedroom Yeah, <laughs> tell everyone where my bedroom is. <laughs> it's there. You've walked past it a million times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an amazing place. Plus, the, the other two thirds of it are an art gallery. Um, Android Jones, which is huge. He just did the, uh, I mean, was one of the visual artists for the Tipper show at Red Rocks. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, his art's there. His, he's one of the main artists that's been putting art in there um, recently, and it's been selling like crazy. like Reasonably cute. priced, too, for what it yeah. is, man. I yeah. looked at that, and I was like... Well, Meg, yeah, Meg doesn't really, I mean, I, I honestly think she should tax the stuff that she sells a lot more, but she... She's really, really humble when it comes to markup. It's almost, it's almost no markup. Wow. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's a good place to get local art. Yeah, heck yeah. Many played many, many gigs there. A lot of good times there. It's kind of the the number one go to like after party spot. It's like stuck. on any any yeah. given weekend, it's With, like without question, it's the number one after hour spot. Because there's just, no venue in Denver that holds more after hours than yeah, Fusion Factory. Consistently, like every weekend. <laughs> so yeah, I can only imagine living 15 feet of, away from the uh, DJ booth and <laughs> every yeah. Friday and Saturday. <laughs> it's got to be intense, man. So I, I commend you because yeah, yeah. Your your energy is is definitely appreciated there. So you can close your eyes, but you can't close your ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that fact makes it impossible to close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, right on, dude. Yeah, we're we're getting close to the tail end of the, the uh, podcast here. So uh, here here we come to the best and worst section where. We I ask you about uh, the best and worst of a couple different categories. So let's start out with uh, best and worst musical experience you've ever had, whether it's 
a concert or a DJ set? What, what, what ones stick out in your mind as the best or one of the most disappointing or worst? Worst is tough. I heard a grade school band play once. That was pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in like when you when you get to the point where your ear can hear the, the, the finest the slightest increment of a note being sharp or flat. And you, <laughs> up. Yeah. So I don't know. I really, really and that's not even true because if it's music in general and people are playing it and putting their heart into it, it's a good mm-hmm. thing to me. Um, probably the best though which still resonates huge in my mind. I forget what year it was, but it was one of the years I went to Detroit Electronic Music Festival Movement. Um, well, before they were two different things. Uh, it was it was just amazing. It was like right around the time where, where Tech House was coming out, and I wasn't sure exactly what the sound was. And we were getting different descriptions because... Uh, some people were saying it was soulful techno, and and I'm like, wait, that's because you're from Detroit. You're trying to own it up to techno, and then some people were calling like punchy house, and like th- there wasn't a set name for it, but it just the sound of it was just amazing to me, <laughs> and just the energy and the feeling, and the vibe, and there's all these different dance crews that came, and just to see like break dancing crews and different style crews like legitimately battling at their highest level against each other at that time and then um and then we ended up finding out that uh our friends were going to an after hours that was at a, a strip club that they'd used as an after hours venue uh and that was just that was just amazing because it was so lounge it was so chill and then we went to an after party after that which was at someone else's house and while we're there um, I'm outside, outside, out front smoking a cigarette, and a car pulls up, and they're like, "Hey, it's it's uh, Paul Johnson," and I'm like, "Yeah, right, whatever." And um, sure enough, it was Paul Johnson and the Stacy Kid pulled in. They had to actually remove cinder blocks to lower the turntables, obviously, because he's playing on, um, he's he's plays out of a. A wheelchair, mm-hmm. um, but Stacy Kid was playing, and I just remember sitting there. Just and my, some of the friends that I was with didn't even realize what was happening. Like it wasn't actually hitting them because they didn't fully understand like who was just showed up at this random house that we were at, <laughs> and uh, and there wasn't even there wasn't even thirty people in that house. Wow. So it was extremely intimate, and the whole just the whole weekend just kind of rode along with that theme and. I don't know, it's just when you when you walk away feeling that like from that point on you musically something about you's changed, that festival always resonates with me. Like just it was just like amazing. Oh nothing can beat this. Boom, amazing. Oh man, nothing can beat this. Amazing. Oh man, nothing can beat this. And then finally it was time to go home. Yeah, yeah. How many years did you go? I don't know. I think I've only I've only been there like three or four three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's definitely the one that stood. Oh, and the big thing about that year is that was the year General Motors. Oh man, I forget who it was that ended up paying for the entire festival. But General Motors pulled their financial sponsorship sponsorship of the oh, event man. away. And had to be a chunk. I think Derek Carter was one of them. There was someone else. It was two DJs that actually financially funded the entire festival themselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Detroit's just got. Just awesome. I mean, I haven't been in a few years. I keep saying I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. But Detroit's just got that, like, that gritty, 
right. callous. <laughs> we we we've paid our dues. Oh, and and we haven't sold out ever. Oh yeah, feeling, we feeling to the city. Yeah, and we just bring. I mean, the wave of money and and uh, energy that the crowd brings to it, like the, the city loves it. Like they make so much money. Every hotel sold out. Like and that doesn't happen often in Detroit. So yeah. Oh, I have another story about that one. The one of the mornings after we went to, uh, we're walking around, we're trying to find a place to eat breakfast, and and uh, kind of faded. And I walk in, we find this restaurant. It's got the door open. We walk in. Lady's like, "No, we're closed." I'm like, "Oh, sorry." We keep walking. She comes out and says, "Oh no, you can come in." It's an older lady, kind of grandma feel, and she says, "What do you guys want?" So she makes us our food. There's nobody else in the restaurant. Finally, the restaurant opens. This other guy comes in, and he and uh, by that time, I'm actually at the bar with my friends. And this guy's like, do you want, uh, you want to smoke a doobie? And I'm like, doobie? I was like, I've never heard actually, anyone actually call it that in real life, like a doobie? I was like, sure. <laughs> he takes us outside into the middle of the parking lot in broad freaking daylight. And I'm like, are we really like smoking this right here? He's like, this is a Detroit, dude. They have real stuff to worry about. You're fine. And then starts telling us the story about how he's like, see that dumpster right there? That's the dumpster in 8 Mile. And then he points us, like, we're literally just on the other side of an alley and then another front-facing business is going to this parking lot. He goes, that's the shelter. He goes, that door right there takes you to the shelter, which is where all the hip-hop scenes from 8 Mile were actually filmed. And you can go there tonight if you want to hear amazing hip-hop and now that was there see that's another thing where that weekend just kept hitting me with awesomeness and i was just like what is going on here it was awesome so, so you went checked out the hip-hop show no we didn't. uh but that's got, so cool that's we got so caught fun. up in the, in the i mean yeah that, of the festival yeah right? yeah that'd be an interesting place to go to <laughs> we parked okay. in the parking lot yeah yeah <laughs> we had intentions of going but one thing led to another yeah uh, so yeah, best and worst set you've ever played. I've had a lot of favorite sets. Probably f- feedback wise, feedback is always what determines what's what's a a favorite or not favorite set. Because mm-hmm. um, probably the best was was together. Derek Saucer and a few other people came and just gave me amazing feedback, and then he he gave me this term he said techno shaman which i'm actually gonna stick with that name (laughs) and anytime i do like one of those spiritual journey sets i'm gonna say like let people know it's gonna be a techno shaman set but that one it just that's cool that that's stuck i've never yeah i've never had that many people come back like I, you get, you always get people there i love your set i love your set but when when people are talking about the journey most people don't recognize that that's how a lot of my a lot of the festival sets I do are mapped out. They're in emotional journeys. Like I'm purposely not holding you at a certain level. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing you up. I'm plummeting you down. Mm-hmm. I'm holding you down there till you almost lose concentration. Then I bring you back to life and then send you off. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, that one was just and, you, and when you can see the people experiencing that that way and defining it that way and the how they're dancing that just does and that that was together i mean that was together for probably everybody in their sets it was just amazing it was an amazing festival thank you yeah for throwing oh, yeah. It no inviting problem. me to be a part of it fuck yeah <laughs> uh is there a worst the wor- worst set um there's a couple where i've been 
I have a so I have a thing. If I'm really sleep deprived, my ear actually will stop hearing. It, I will physically lose the ability to hear to beat match. Oh shit! Which if you're on turntables, you don't have the option to go. Okay, auto sync. Mm-hmm. And like, I've had, I've had a few where it's where the set kind of went off all right, but I didn't. I wasn't able to enjoy it and experience it from behind the decks the way I like to because I was overthinking. I was thinking about it too much. I was worried more about let's not instead of let's give these guys an amazing journey I was more about let's not fuck up mm-hmm. and so that's happened, that's happened a couple of times I mean we try to not let it happen but and they were all small like small uh, small venues or small shows or, house parties yeah, yeah, maybe house something party, like that yeah. Yeah. right on alright and uh, kind of already answered this one I think uh, best festival you've ever attended I mean probably be in Detroit or if there is one a festival that was better that's cool uh, but yeah, or is there the worst one that was just a nightmare of an experience, if there was one? Um, yeah, I can't even think of it. It's it's actually a festival. We went back to Chicago and went to this festival, um, and it wasn't probably the worst festival, but I just heard so much. It was it was it. I forget what the festival's named. It just had I don't know. It's like someone flipped a switch and said, "Hey, this year we're gonna be all top 40. And like, commer- we're gonna be all top forty commercial tracks, um, and I'd actually taken Rose back to Chicago for that, so I was actually really disappointed because uh, I didn't get to show her, hey, you know, this is how we throw down, this is yeah. what we do. Like, it was all this top forty commercial music, and I was just kind of, I don't know. We still had a great time. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna lie, we still we we have we know how to have fun, have fun in any any situation, mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the show off festival that I was trying to give her, so it's kind of disappointing. I hear you. <laughs> well, cool, man. We'll get this wrapped up here and fucking have some dinner. Uh, what's what's on the horizon for Brian Christian? Any shows or cool travel plans coming up? Anything exciting? Hopefully, go to the mountains and have nothing to do with electronic music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we are supposed to have a decom party for everybody that worked. Where, I yeah. mean, there will be there will be slight music, but there will also be movies projected into the dome, and everybody's camping under the under the dome. So that'll that that'll be happening here. We'll get to see the <laughs> nice little uh, relaxed, uh, relaxed way. Yeah, a relaxed trip up to the mountains. I think whether there's music or not, I'd rather be relaxed. <laughs> and then Paul Anthony's party, August fifteenth. Frankie Bones hyperactive. Yeah, the venue for that's amazing. Three rooms. It's like an all day Saturday thing. I'd highly recommend. I'm going to be at a wedding in uh, uh, Iowa that weekend, so unfortunately I won't be here. There's a crazy meteor shower that weekend too. So next weekend, I'm not playing, but Full Moon Festival. Oh, is that that, that's in August? That's late August. August 26th. I think that's the last weekend of August. Yeah, that party's going to be crazy. That's going to be amazing. Haversham. Those guys have been doing it for, what, 22 years now? Mother Earth Sound System? Early 90s, yeah. they've been, And it used to be like three three a summer, and they were all yeah. free. Like no, for, it's down to, down to one. They invest in amazing yeah, they, sound. Yeah, they throw, up a, they throw up a big party now. So Cool, yeah. Uh, if people want to find you online, uh, hear mixes, or friend you, or stalk you, where can they do that? Um... Honestly, like a Brian Christian, I have a personal and a DJ page. Click on the DJ page and click about, and then you'll get my mix clouds. I mean, it's the easiest way to yeah. 
Facebook. I can post I can post the links on here too on the uh, on the on the podcast description. So and that's Brian with a Y. So well, yeah, cool man. Thanks for finally getting on here. Uh, yeah, it's been an honor. Uh, you know, growing up in this scene with you. you. You came in a little bit before me, but you've given me opportunities, and and then we've got to work together a lot. And I, I love what you're it's doing musically and your energy. And yeah, yeah, I look forward to continue. Uh, uh, work in Denver with you, man, for sure. So yeah, fuck yeah, uh, awesome. Well, yeah. Uh, anything you want to say about this mix before we throw it on? Uh, what, any any notable tracks or what, what you're going for here? Um, it's gonna be a kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope. <laughs> <laughs> Strap in. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it'll it'll go different directions, but uh, it'll be fun. Well, right on, man. We'll 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 get this on here, and yeah, thanks again, man. And without further ado, here we go. Thank with, you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Brian Christian on the ones and twos.
Big thanks to Brian for coming onto the show and providing us with another solid mix. Before we get out of here, there are a few people I wanted to thank that I didn't get around to earlier in the podcast for their help with putting on together. Thank you, Mick, for transporting up the porta potties. I don't know how we would have got them up there otherwise. Shannon, for all your man hours and lighting. Cody, for all of your equipment, basically providing the second stage for us and your time. Glad you actually made it to the party. And Peter, for all you did, beginning to end, helping making this festival happen. Definitely couldn't have done it without you. Until the next time, guys, have a good rest of your summer, and I hope to see a lot of you out at Mother Earth Sound Systems Full Moon Festival 